A reading from Matthew. When he entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Jesus said to them, I will also ask you one question. If you tell me the answer, then I will also tell you by what authority I do these things. Did the baptism of John come from heaven or was it of human origin? And they argued with one another. If we say from heaven, he will say to us, why then did you not believe him? But if we say of human origin, we are afraid of the crowd for all regard John as a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we do not know. And he said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. What do you think? A man had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. He answered, I will not. But later he changed his mind and went. The father went to the second and said, the same. And he answered, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said, the first. Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are going into the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him, and even after you saw it, you did not change your minds and believe him. What a good reading for Confirmation Sunday. Tax collectors, prostitutes, and best of all, lots of questions and arguments. Over the last two years in our Confirmation class, we've had a lot of arguments. Whenever we start a new year, I tell our students that confirmation is the time to ask questions and to debate. It's meant to be a time when our young people intentionally try to figure out and to verbalize what it is they believe. Not what their parents believe or what Mr. Cranston believes or what the pastor believes, but what they believe down in their soul. That requires honesty and, and questions and wrestling and debate and, and, yes, arguments. And we've had some good ones. I've learned to watch for the signs, to watch for Caitlin Bucci narrowing her eyes at me, to watch for Connor adjusting his hat and smiling to himself, for Caitlin Pellerin to sigh this deep, sigh that just comes from the depths of the earth for Emma to put up her hand and wave it back and forth. These are all signs that they disagree, that they have something to say, perhaps even that, as Caitlin put it so eloquently, they think this is all a load of, well, you can fill in the blank in whatever way seems best. I like when we argue in confirmation class. It shows that our students care because you can't argue about something that doesn't matter to you, at least not well, and certainly not for very long. 
our questions, our arguments, our debates, they're all signs that we take something seriously, that it matters enough to wrestle with and to try to figure out. Our reading from Matthew is just full of questions and arguments. Things are finally coming to a head between Jesus and the religious leaders. The day before, he had entered the city of Jerusalem and the crowds had flocked to him, singing praises and shouting with joy, some even putting their clothes in the streets to honor him. And the religious leaders were troubled by this. They were even more troubled when Jesus walked into the temple, which was the heart of their faith on earth and turned over tables, chasing away money collectors and and religious bureaucrats, yelling that they had turned God's house into, into a den of robbers. So the chief priests and the elders decided that it was finally time to do something about Jesus, who just kept challenging them and upsetting the status quo, and so they came up with a trap. A trap in the form of a question. Questions are powerful things. Sometimes we ask questions honestly because we want to learn more and to grow. Other times, like the chief priests and the elders, we ask questions with an agenda. Maybe even with closed minds and a closed heart. The questions we ask reveal a lot about us. And when other people ask questions, that's powerful too, because questions, if if we're able to really hear them, can give us pause, can make us stop, can begin a dialogue, can open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to, to see things in new ways. Questions, questions can change us. And after all the arguing and the questions in this passage, Jesus tells a parable, a parable that has the power to change us. He tells the story of two sons whose father asks them to come and help him in the vineyard. The first son says no, but later changes his mind and goes to help his dad out. The second one says yes, but then decides to to blow it off and doesn't show up at all. And when Jesus asks the religious leaders which of the two sons did the will of their father, the religious leaders say it's the first son, the one who actually showed up. Actions speak louder than words. But here's the question I want to ask. The thing that I want to know, the question that I think might matter more than all the others. What changed the first son's mind. Because if we're honest, this isn't the kind of parable where we identify ourselves as as one character or the other. At different times, we're both of these sons, all of us. Sometimes we're like the first son who said one thing and said no when he should have said yes. He was wrong. He said the wrong thing. He made the wrong decision. He hurt his father. He made a mistake. He messed up. We don't know why, but he was still wrong. And that's us. Sometimes on purpose, sometimes by accident, 
we get things wrong. And other times we're like that second son, a, a hypocrite who said one thing and then did another. Goodness knows we've seen plenty of this recently. And we've done plenty of it ourselves. We say we stand for something and then we don't back it up with our actions. We profess to be followers of Jesus and then we don't live that way. We don't follow through and, and we don't live in ways that are consistent with our values. But here's what I want to know. What changed the first son's mind? A few years ago, I heard this quote. I, I have no idea who said it or where it came from, and Google hasn't helped me as I've tried to find out, but, but these words have always stuck with me. To have lived well is to have changed often. So often we view changing our minds as a, as a bad thing, but here in this story for this first son, changing his mind was a good thing. The word repentance, which we use all the time in church, comes from an ancient word which means to change your mind. And as a culture, as we've become more divided, we've also come to believe that changing our minds is a, a sign of weakness. I mean, think about it. Today, it's almost unthinkable and unheard of for someone to change their mind, to change their opinion, especially about something that's political. But I am so confident that part of what Jesus is trying to tell the religious leaders and tell us what this parable is saying is that it's okay to change your mind. It's okay to learn new information, hear new stories, digest new facts, and to be changed by that. In fact, it's far more worrisome if that doesn't happen. The things that we have seen and heard and continue to learn about the history and legacy of race in our country should change us in some way. When we hear about our neighbors suffering from injustice, it should change our minds and our actions. No one among us has all the answers. None of us knows everything. And when we make a mistake, when we feel convicted, when we learn to see things in a new way, when we're challenged to reconsider our actions or our ideas, when our ears or eyes or hearts are open to something new, saying that we were wrong, whether intentionally or by accident, and that we see things differently now, changing our minds is not weakness or a character fault or something to be embarrassed about or to avoid. It's the sign of a maturing person and a maturing faith. We talk about wanting to grow as people and as people of faith, and growth always involves changing. Changing is part of being human, and it's part of being a Christian. And being open to changing is one of the best gifts that our faith can give us. It's worth asking what changes our mind. 
It's worth asking if our hearts and minds are open to being changed. And if not, then, then what's standing in the way? I don't know why the first son changed his mind, but he did. He came back to help his father. And I'd like to think that at least part of the reason he changed his mind is because he knew his father's character. He knew that if he showed up at that vineyard to help, even after he said no, his father was going to welcome him, accept him, work next to him, and be thankful. He wouldn't be greeted with shame or harsh words or anger, but just a smile. And the words, I'm glad you're here. And that, to me, is part of the deep truth of this parable. We can change our minds and turn back to God because we know God's character. And so do our confirmation students. For their last assignment every year, I ask our students to write down their own personal creeds, their own personal faith statements, what it is that they believe, and and every year it is so powerful. Listen to what our students wrote. They said, I believe God is always with us, forgiving and loving. People need second chances, and I believe the key part of Jesus' teaching is forgiveness. Jesus will come and forgive all people and love everyone equally. I believe that God is always there for you. I believe God is forgiving. I believe following Jesus means knowing everyone is a child of God, and that is the most valuable thing to have. I believe God is a powerful force of love that will always triumph. These young people know God's character. They know that God is gracious and merciful and good and always ready to welcome us back, not with shame or harsh words or anger, but a smile and the words, I am so glad you're here. One of our students wrote, I believe the church is there for us whenever we may need it. It's a place where you can forget about things and just be in the moment to celebrate God's presence in your life and be forgiven. Another said, I believe the church is a place to go to learn about God and to feel better. It can be a second home to people. And one simply shared, I believe the church is a place to feel comfortable protected, and wanted by God. If you see me smiling, it's because I'm full of joy to hear these words, because they're true. We are wanted and welcomed and loved by God, even when we've done wrong, even when we change our minds. This is a parable of love and grace. It's the way God feels about us. We're still welcome when we're like the first son who messed up and is now trying to make things right and do the right thing. We're still welcome when we're, we're like the second son, hypocritical and continuing to do wrong. That's the thing that's so easy to miss about this parable. No matter what they did, no matter what mistakes they made, no matter how they messed up, 
Both of them were still this man's sons. And that's a beautiful thing to hear, especially on Confirmation Sunday, that no matter where we wander in this life or what we do, we are still God's beloved children. And it is never, never, never too late to change our minds, to turn back to God and to be welcomed with love and grace and care. And so, people of God, may we continue to ask questions. May we continue to listen to and hear the questions that others ask. May we change our minds often. And may we do it trusting with confidence that God is gracious and loving and good. And that 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 is the truth beyond all question. Amen.